the government, it, it, like individual state governments, have actually screwed up rolling out their legalization plans. Like you think about, I always say it's like it's funny. Like only the government could screw up selling weed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like absolutely absurd. In California, it's a huge, you know, multi-billion-dollar market. Yeah. Um, but they overregulated it. They overtaxed it, and then they can't figure out why the black market is still so strong. Oh yeah. You know, it's it again. You don't have to be a rocket science, scientist to figure it out, um, but you know, politicians come in, lawmakers, and they want to tax everything and regulate everything, and it's like, gee, I wonder why people are still buying their weed on the street. Yeah, the other day, I was looking at congressional um, buying in, in pot stocks and insider buying as well in pot stocks. Um, posted a video about that. Um, I had found that, you know, throughout the industry, especially in like 2018, 2019, um, there were a lot of uh, congressmen uh, buying pot stocks. Um, So I wanted to dive more into the industry, and that's why I'm here with uh, Jeff uh, Siegel today. Um, And he was actually one of the first people in the industry um, and got into it, made his, his subscribers and his readers um, a good bit of money. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and when you first started getting into the industry? He made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> what was the... That was... So I can tell you that the cannabis space, I've been doing this for pretty <clears throat> much 30 years now, and the most the the most money I've ever made was on cannabis stocks. Okay. Um, Canopy Growth Corporation, everyone knows, is you know one of the biggest players yeah. and we were in real early our, our gain was over 3,000% on that Jeez. so I'm gonna pat myself on the back for that one <laughs> and, and if full disclosure I had no idea it would ever have launched 3,000% like I figured over a course of maybe a couple years we'd get you know 100 200% and that would have been really great um, but the timing was just perfect uh, and you know honestly it wasn't random. I, I knew something was going on in Canada at the time with cannabis. Um, so I took a trip up there and I met with some congressional or I, whatever the equivalent is of congressional aides right, right. up there and just kind of figured out what was going on before I kind of dove in. And I, I just seeing what was coming down the pike, you know, I, it was very obvious to me that re- like recreational legalization was going to happen in, in, in Canada. And that was the only game in town. And everyone saw that there's going to be a lot of money to be made here. Um, so everyone just just dove into the Canadian cannabis market. And again, the timing was perfect. You know, it, it's a, where we are today is completely, completely different than where we are. And I guess it was what, 2016, around that time. Um, you know, obviously, Canada is not the only legal market anymore. And we have so many states here in the U.S. and uh, that have legalized. So it's a completely yep. A completely different world today than it was, you know, again, like 2015, 2016. Yeah, I think today nearly half of U.S. states are um, have legalized recreationally, at least. Yeah. Um, were you also were you playing options on those on those trades back then? No, these were just, just like these types? were essentially like long term investments. Yeah. Again, like when I got into it, I went in with the idea that we're going to be in these stocks for a while and over time you know, we'll see an increase in the gains. Um, and it was, I think, within a three-year time frame, we had three stocks that had already exceeded 1,000% gains. 
Um, and you know, when you have something go up that fast, you know, it's gonna it's gonna come crashing down. So you know, sure. obviously, we got the hell out. Like we just took that money and ran. And um, that doesn't mean that I don't believe there's money to be made in the cannabis space. I think it's still a, a market that has a lot of potential. But you'll never see you know, 1,000% gains, 3,000% gains again in, in the cannabis space. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people are banking on. They want that same, that same run again. Um, and I think that really depends. So you don't think that even if like a safe banking act or act were to pass or, you know, what if federal legalization were to pass? And that, that's what everyone seems mm-hmm. to be talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that would bolster these many of these stocks, <clears throat> but not to the point that you're going to see, you know, a 10x return. Uh, if, you know, if you were to buy today, uh, you know, buy Cure Relief today, and then maybe next week, which is not going to happen, but next week they say, yeah. okay, we're going to federally legalize, you're not going to see a huge, a, a massive jump, you know, thousand percent or whatever on, on cure relief you will see obviously a bump um but yeah the, again it was there was a certain enthusiasm about cannabis at the time too it was yes i mean if you think about it at the time for, for the first time ever really we said cannabis is going to be legal and there are public companies that are going to profit from this now i mean th- there's never been a uh, a lack of demand for weed yeah. So when it first happened, I mean, unless you are a complete moron, you know, you say, oh, wait a minute. Finally, this stuff is going to be legal and people can buy it at a store. Mm-hmm. There's a huge opportunity here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, but it's funny, though, when you think about it, if you think about the government, it, it, like individual state governments have actually screwed up rolling out their legalization plans. Like you think about, I always say it's like, it's funny, like only the government could screw up selling weed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like absolutely absurd. In California, it's a huge, you know, multi-billion dollar market, um, but they over-regulated it, they overtaxed it. And then they can't figure out why the black market is still so strong. Oh yeah. You know, it's, again, you you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. um, But you know, politicians come in, lawmakers, and they want to tax everything and regulate everything. And it's like, gee, I wonder why people are still buying their weed on the street. Um, Again, only the government could screw up selling weed. Mm -hmm. But I digress. I think I went off on a tangent there. That has nothing to do with money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, even, and that's why I thought it was so interesting that people in Congress are still trading pot stocks, and they're still trying to get in on it as well. I found some demographics recently um, that, you know, only 12% of Americans consume cannabis, um, but that represents a $60 billion industry um, compared with tobacco, which is um, $70 billion. Um, And I think that a lot of people are kind of conflating those two industries and, and people in the tobacco industry maybe looking to acquire smaller pot stocks? Well, um, they, they, I mean, it's ever since I've been in the game, I mean, I've seen big tobacco execs at financing meetings. Yeah, They're in it already. Um, typically, you know, in the shadows, it's former CEOs, former management of the, of, of the tobacco companies. Um, of course, they're going to they're gonna get involved. They're not going to do anything until you see federal legalization, though. Sure, yeah. Which, you know, that still remains to be seen that there's 
we can speculate all we want about that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it it does show you something that 90% of U.S. adults believe weed should be legal, um, which is a huge number. And I think that if the sentiment is behind it and, you know, politicians will eventually, you know, they're going to want to do what their constituents want um, in theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so in I think theory, I think that's a good point. Because, yeah. you know, Christy Noem and South, the governor of South Dakota, South Dakota, they actually legalized and then she came back and found some way to like reverse it through the the court systems and then they had another vote on it which it failed so yeah mm. theoretically yeah. you know you can you're supposed to do what your constituents want uh, but not, that not always the case unfortunately do you see do you see the industry so i guess i was also looking at at the alcohol industry alcohol and tobacco um, i know a couple years ago, we had like cores trying to get into the uh, the blended drink, you know, putting or infused drinks is what they call them. Right. Um, do you think that industry will take off or be as popular um, as you know consumables like you know, vaping or smoking? I don't think so. I've been hearing this claim for a long time, you know, infused beverages would be great. You can go to a bar and have an infused beverage. Yeah. A number of companies have done some really amazing work on making these things taste good and um, and making them so it's, uh, you know, because when they first came out, you would have these drinks and they were essentially like just sugar water with weed in it. And they tasted horrible and you would get so amazingly high from drinking it. It was like, it just didn't make any sense. Um, there's no way that was going to fly. And now I, you are starting to see like better, uh, I think, recipes for the, for the drinks. But in terms of people consuming cannabis, I mean, my personal opinion is it makes more sense to eat a gummy or smoke a joint or, or vape um, as opposed to sitting there and paying, you know, how much for a drink. I mean, it's not like you're going to go to a bar and they're going to offer you a THC infused drink. Maybe that'll happen one day, but um, I don't foresee that happening anytime soon i think it'll be like a little bit of like a niche market. there's some people that really enjoy those I, yeah. I maintain that it'll probably be a very small group of people that like the infused drinks yeah um when i, I went to colorado i think around 2017 um and yeah they were they were selling all of those uh sodas and stuff but it, it's almost like you know you, people are kind of turning away from soda too and i think that if you're if you're blending it and making it a soda, like you said, it's a very sugary drink. Mm-hmm. I think they'll just have to rethink that a little bit. Um, there are definitely some people that are trying to do <clears throat> healthier edibles. Not as many as I, I would have hoped for by this point. Um, but even though I, I'm active in, cross, in the CrossFit community, mm-hmm. and there are quite a few people I know that, that train really hard, but they also make their own edibles. And they make their own edibles because they don't want the sugar in it. They don't want the um, saturated fats and that kind of thing. So I think there is a demand uh, for healthier edibles. I think it's going to come. Um, but uh, that, that might end up being a small niche as well. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people don't, people who are in the fitness community don't want to be smoking as well. Right. Um, so I think, I think edibles are, are a good uh, kind of middle ground. Um, I start, I mean, I, so I typically 
smoke uh, once a day, usually at night, a couple hours before I go to bed, just to relax me. Um, kind of like my dad used to have a, a drink, you know, a couple hours before bed. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and you know, I've never had uh, a problem. It hasn't really affected my my fitness or my health. Um, but again, I'm not like I, I, I I've been consuming cannabis for <laughs> more than thirty years. Um, but I've never been a hardcore smoker. Like I don't smoke all day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how that, I don't really know how people that smoke all day are able to, um, (laughs) able to function, but there plenty are, you know, I know plenty of people that do and God bless them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, have you ever been to, well, I get, so I've been hearing some news and I haven't been to Amsterdam recently, Mm -hmm. but I also, uh, visited Amsterdam in the early uh, I think it was around 2012. Um, and the industry there at the time was, you know, they had the coffee shops. Um, I know that psychedelics were still a thing. And I'm just wondering if you've heard anything about um, the, lo- the new laws there. Um, it seems like they're kind of turning away from the coffee shops yeah i've been watching that I'm not, I'm not sure i fully understand what's going on there um at first i was told that they were trying to keep uh tourists from coming in there and yeah i don't know if like tourists were coming in and just getting really high and passing out on the street or something i've been to amsterdam um i've certainly like enjoyed the coffee shops had a space cake you know with the hash in it and everything but it never all that did was make me want to just relaxed you know, mm. and hang out with my friends. I, I don't really fully understand the, the reasoning behind it. Um, and it seems like a really weird, really weird timing too. Like, why would you do that now where it's so much, e- it used to be back in the day, you go to Amsterdam because you could smoke weed and not get in trouble for it, not get arrested for it. Right. And now there's so many places you can smoke weed and you won't be arrested. So you would think they'd want to up their game a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'm not privy to, you know, the policy making in the Netherlands. So yeah, I'm not. It, it, <laughs> I just heard a story about it and and thought that it was interesting. Um, maybe they're trying to recoup some. I don't know something with taxes. Could be. I don't know. Um, but they have to be making money off of they, that. I know yeah. exactly. Especially with tourists. Maybe they want to. Yeah, like you said, they don't want people coming in just for that. Maybe they want to increase tourism to, you know, the museums and all. But it just. You mean you can't like... get high and then go to the Anne Frank Museum later? <laughs> I mean, come on. The Van Gogh Museum? Yes, yeah, great. Um, go look at some old school windmills and tulips. <clears throat> when I was there, I um, was walking down the street and, the you know, because the, the bike culture is huge there. Yeah. Everyone's riding a bike. And I walked out and um, <laughs> two bikers just collided like right in front of me. And I was like, oh, my God, got to get out of here. Um, Why did you have to get out of there? <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to. Uh, Were you high? You know, <laughs> I was in a coffee shop. You know what they do in there? They're, they're drinking coffee. Um, so I, I went back and checked my my brokerage account from like 2018, um, and I was looking at the companies that I was investing in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say investing loosely because I feel like back then it was definitely speculating. Um, I had Altria, Kronos, NBEV, um, IIPR, Canopy Growth, 
Do you remember a company, uh, David's Tea? Do you remember when that? I do not remember that company. Um, yeah. That was like, uh, I think they're still around, but they, um, it, it was almost like in the dot-com bubble and what's kind of happening today with um, um, VR and AR and um, AI, if you just add it, add that to your name, you know, you're, you get a right. stock bomb. But they, David's T was saying that they're going to do infused beverages and stuff. And people were just playing calls on that all day. And uh, Tilray and then um, IGC, which is a company out of um, Bethesda. But it was just interesting to me that I was, if you go back and, and look at what you were buying, you know, probably would have done things a little differently. <laughs> yeah. But do you have any... Um, <clears throat> Do you have any advice for people getting into this industry? Yeah. Um, well, I would say, first of all, that despite the fact there was a massive implosion in the cannabis market and just so many companies went under, I think it was a good thing. Um, there were just so many scams out there, so many companies that I remember like like former mining companies, like mining companies would say, OK, we're going to be a pot stock now and then we're going to buy some land and grow weed. It's obviously it doesn't work like that, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so a lot of people lost a lot of money, unfortunately. It's at the time, you know. Again, when it first started, there you didn't have a lot of options. You just buy a company that was basically a, a producer. Um, I, I don't at the again back then there really weren't like plays on dispensaries or multi-state operators in, in the U.S. Um, now. It's very difficult if you for a lot of these companies that are producing cannabis because it's a commodity and there's the mm -hmm. race to the bottom. Um, so it's 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 a kind of like farming. I mean, yeah, it's a it's an farming is an honorable profession, but you're never gonna get rich being a farmer. I think you're at the point now where you're never gonna get rich, you know, investing in a, a cannabis production company. Um, the Canopy Growth Corporations, Afri, like all those companies, like they're going to be around. Um, but again, it's like, you know, you have a race to the bottom is an issue. And also just the quality of, of the product. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these big companies produce commodity weed. It's just, you know, shit weed. That's what it is. And now most people I don't think care. Um, I fully admit I'm kind of a, a weed snob. <laughs> like I'm very particular about, you know, what I, what I smoke. Um, but I think that that's starting to change a little bit. I, because there are so many options now when you go into a dispensary, I think there are people who are starting to realize, hey, you know, I, I like this weed better because it, it tastes better or I have a better um, experience from it or, um, you know, it's fresher. I mean, mm -hmm. I can, I've gone to dispensaries where I open up the container and it's just dried out weed. I, who, I, I, you know, I would never accept that from my dealer, you know, before <laughs> weed became legal. So why would I expect that from a legal operation? Mm. Um, I don't think there are many canna uh, cannabis companies now that um, – I think there's probably a handful that are going to succeed over the long run. And those are typically the ones that have the growing operations and the dispensaries um, and also are just flush with cash. Yeah. Because you, you're going to need it. You, you're going to need it. Um, and there, I guess there are a few multi-state operators, some smaller ones that people ignored maybe, like Marimed um, is a company that um, I've always liked. It's a very small multi-state operator, um, but they have a ton of cash. Um, they're very fiscally responsible. Um, you know, their revenues are constantly growing. 
but they they were really sp smart in their expansion. Like some of these bigger companies, they just went out and they spent millions and millions of dollars buying everything and setting up new locations. And Merrimed is like, no, we're going to stick with a couple of these states and do our own thing. And I think that has allowed them to um, to not only survive but thrive during the the implosion of the of the cannabis market. You mentioned IPR too. I think that's you know has always been kind of a safe bet. We we bought that stock shortly after it went public. Um, you know, it's just. It's you know it's like a it's like a hustle it's like a rental hustle you know, and I don't say hustle in a bad word but it's just yeah, you know the yeah. the bottom line is if you're if you need to grow and you need indoor facilities it's much easier to go through IAPR because they take care of everything, um, I think as long the only thing that will affect IAPR is uh, federal legalization, um, and when the banks get involved because IAPR has an advantage. Um, because they, they have no competition from the banks. You know, once the banks can get involved, the big banks can get involved um, and provide loans at regular rates, um, mm -hmm. I think a company like IIPR uh, may, may struggle a bit. That's a really good point that I had not thought of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, people like IIPR because of the dividend payment and, like you said, because they're kind of like the landlord in the yeah. entire uh, U.S. space. Um, I bought that company, I think, back when it was trading at like forty bucks. Nice. Uh, sold it when it, you know, before it really took a run. But uh, you know, I, I definitely think that that is a. For now, um, I'm looking at that, but. I don't currently own any mm -hmm. any pot stocks or anything. Um, and, you know, the industry's just been kind of, it's been, like you said, been beaten down so much lately. I've just been kind of like hands off. Yeah. Um, there's there's very, I think there are very few choices for investors if the, that want to get into the pot stock space because I still believe that some of them, even though they've, you know, some of these stocks are down, you know, 80% from their all-time highs. I think some, in some situations they're still a bit pricey, um, mm. you know, unless you can find, like, again, like the Marameds, IPR still. I mean, I don't know if I'd run out and buy it right now, but I bought it so long ago, I'm just, you know, I just let it ride. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see, too, just like there's just going to be more private cannabis companies that are just – they're not going to go public because there's no there's there's really no advantage for them to go public. Mm -hmm. um, the brands, the brands are where it's at really. If you think of like maybe like celebrity bands like Takao, which is Method Man's brand, um, you know they can go into various states. They decide which flower they're going to use. They they partner up with somebody, and it's essentially, you know, they go to let's say they go in Colorado and they sell they the they sell weed with the Takao sticker on it um it's just it's just the name you know uh so they have like they have very little um uh, you know operating costs you know all they have to do is show up approve the weed yeah put their name on it and then uh, and then hustle it a little bit and that company i think they've been around for about three years um and they've been killing it so a company like that's not going to go public. They don't need to, unless like maybe mm. a public company could maybe come along and buy them, mm. which would actually yeah. be a really smart idea because I I do believe that's probably one of the few um, celebrity brands that does actually have any kind of credibility. A lot of the, a lot of the celebrity brands, and I've tried them all, and they're mostly garbage. 
um, which was kind of surprising because you'd see like, you know, Willie Nelson's brand or Snoop Dogg. And you're like, well, these got to be great. And then you try it and you're like, this is like any other crap weed, you know, whereas I know for a fact that Method Man actually tries all the weed first and then mm. approves it before it before they uh, they sell it. And, and full disclosure, I do have a little equity in that company. So, OK, I'm not. Doesn't really matter because you can't buy shares of it, but I'm just I'm a big fan of, of how they've operated, and I think there are other um, brands out there that are are doing the same. You know, it's just it, trying to like grow your own weed at this point is unless that's what your business is, it, it, it's gonna be very very difficult to make a profit. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I think the the Willie Nelson brand was one of the first ones I saw on the market. Um, and, and I love Willie Nelson. He's like one of my favorite oh, yeah. singers. And it's oh, just yeah. like, really, Willie? That's what you're bringing to the table? Come on. Well, I know that his was like a mixture, or at least they had a something, a mixture of um, THC and CBD, which is something I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, I know that we have the, you know, there's a, a market for CBD, but then there's also the, the Delta 8 products and... People are saying that the, you know, that there's a loophole with Delta Eight that they're able to sell it at like, you know, I don't even know where they sell it. Gas stations, yeah, you, you buy it at gas stations, Seven like, Elevens, gas stations, like Salvia uh, or something like that. Um, and they're going to close that, um, that loophole. So then that's going to take, you know, market share away from people who are selling Delta Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Delta 8 has existed solely because of the um, prohibition on cannabis. If cannabis was legal federally or every state had it, yeah. d- there would be no Delta 8. Um, I think that any plans – I, I have not seen what they're going to do to close that loophole. But the, the problem is you get a good chemist. All you have to do is move a few molecules around, and it's a completely different product. And that's really how Delta 8 got away with doing what they were doing mm. uh, or the companies that, that – that uh, sell Delta Eight. You see the same thing in. Um, you'll see the same thing in the in the psychedelic space too, where you will take a molecule like uh, maybe it could be psilocybin, but then they like they they move the molecules around and create another um, substance that's different than the original psilocybin. Um, and this can you know, there are chemists out there that do this all the time. Ultimately, I think. There's only so much the government can do, mm-hmm. you know, to, to kind of keep the heavy hand on, on prohibition. Um, and I actually think it's a good thing um, that it, they're not going to be able to, to, to stop it. Yeah, OK, we're going to get rid of Delta 8. But there's more states that are legalizing now. And the states that don't legalize, they're going to find something else. You know, they just um, any time the government can't control us, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just it's strange to me that it's even illegal at all it seems like an, something that's unconstitutional in the first place to make a plant illegal i mean i well, think that's like do you know the story of how this happened uh i i know a little bit but i'll, I'll do a quick version is basically after uh alcohol prohibition was lifted uh the 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 drugs are at the time his name was harry anslinger needed to find something else um, and weed was smoked, was consumed mostly by black people, Mexicans, and musicians. Um, and he was a raging racist. 
uh, some of the things. I mean, Harry Anslinger, look him up, look up some of his quotes. I mean, he said stuff like, you know, marijuana will make uh, black men think they're good enough to have sex with white women. And like, oh, it was like really over the top. OK, so essentially it was it was a way to persecute people of color. Um, and there's so much data on this. I mean, this is this is not an opinion. This is verified fact. You could look it up. Um, and yet to this day, federally, cannabis is still illegal. It's a schedule one drug mm-hmm. saying it's just as bad as heroin. Come on. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. You know. So anyway, um, when people say that the prohibition of cannabis is is rooted in racism, there's absolutely that's absolutely factual um and it has not ended uh since i think this was what the 1930s mm-hmm. around that time so what are we almost a hundred years of this and yeah, it is a sc- in, in, in the scheme of things if you look at the history of time i mean cannabis has been around for thousands and thousands of years yeah. if we were to look look at this as a snapshot of history it's like a blip mm-hmm. you know and i'm sh- and i i think that you know, future generations will look back at this time and they'll just be like, how the, why did they do that? Like, how did, how did they get away with that kind yeah. of thing? Um, it's almost like, you know, we look, look back and like, how was it that women weren't allowed to vote? Like, I don't get that, you know? Like, kids are going to be like, how is it that you couldn't smoke weed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, everybody should be educated on the dangers of consuming certain things. I mean, that's that comes from parenting and and school and, you know, teachers. Um, and, you know, there, there was a lot of optimism uh, when President Biden kind of, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I know that he expunged a lot of um, people who were uh, in prison. He, he expunged their sentences and um, that kind of got a lot more optimism in the industry. Um, but of course that doesn't actually do anything to help you know, oh, yeah. the cannabis companies. Um, but if, if we could see a rescheduling, um, I guess that's what they call it, um, mm-hmm. you know, take it off the schedule one. There, yes, but that's... there are so many bills right now being um, being put out that, that, that there's a different ways. You know, some want to reschedule, say, but we make it schedule three instead of schedule one so we could do more mm-hmm. research on it, which is kind of a bullshit thing because mm-hmm. they say, well, we need more research. There's mountains of research on this already. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a really this um, researcher, Dr. Sue Sicily out of Arizona, has been studying this with veterans for probably close to 30 years now. And I mean, her evidence, her, her research is really some of the best out there. Mm. Um, and she's been fighting this battle for a long time. So I think the argument that we need more uh, studies um, is bogus. I think it's just a way to continue uh, allowing prohibition to exist. The question we ask from a policy perspective is why would anyone want to continue the prohibition of cannabis? Now, there are some people that say, well, maybe they're in bed with the pharmaceutical companies or the private prisons who benefit from the prohibition of cannabis. And there's probably some truth to that. Um, I think there's also just like a, a matter of you know, the propaganda that was force fed to us for so many years. And you have an older generation in Congress that kind of grew up on that and believed it. So th- their immediate reaction is, this is bad. We can't do this. Um, you know, all these, it's so many bad things are going to happen if we legalize cannabis. Um, so I think there's there's some of that, there's something to be said for that as well. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just from a, if you want to be very pragmatic about it, 
what the pros and cons of legalizing cannabis in an individual state? You know, what what are the cons? Well, you can say that okay, more people are gonna smoke weed now, and that's a bad thing. It could you know more kids are gonna smoke weed. Early evidence suggests that's not true. Um, there have been a number of studies that showed have shown that in states that have legalized, there's not been an increase or decrease in uh, in youth use of, of cannabis. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, I think we need more than, you know, five years of data to know for certain. Sure. Um, but, you know, you can't deny adults um, personal sovereignty. You know, the, I, the idea that, like, I'm allowed to do what I want with my body. And the government has no business telling me what I can or can't do with my body or put in my body. And if the argument is, well, it's, we have to save the kids, that's a bullshit argument, too. Because there is so there are so many addictive products that kids consume every day. I mean, sugar is highly addictive. It's very, very unhealthy you oh, know, for a number yeah. of reasons. You know, look at all these uh, uh, like caffeine drinks, energy drinks that I see kids that are in middle school drinking, uh, not Red Bull anymore. I don't know what the, whatever it is now that they're drinking before school. Maybe Monster or something. I, I don't. Yeah, maybe my, I'm like, you are 12, 13 years old. This cannot be good for your for your body, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying that, yeah, kids should not be consuming cannabis. They're, again, if you look at the, the studies on this stuff, it's really bad for a growing brain. Yep, um, yep. There's a lot of downsides to that. Just like, uh, you know, too much sugar, is, there's a lot of downsides to that too. Denying adults the ability to, to consume cannabis because of the concern that kids might get it, um, that's, not, that's not how we do things. You know, um, and he mentioned it too. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's you can always say, what's the parent's responsibility? And it's hard. It's got to be hard. I can't even imagine what it's like for single parents out there with, you know, three or four kids trying to work, you know, and, and make a living and, and keep them safe. Um, but I, I don't I don't believe for one second that if we were to legalize cannabis, um, that the world would fall apart and all these kids were going to start smoking weed. I don't there's there's no evidence that suggests that at all. No. Yeah. And the argument, it'll you know, if if something like heroin were legal today, it's like, would you go out and do it? It's like, of course not. That was that's what Ron Paul said. Did you ever see that? That's probably where I'm getting that. Yeah, because, yeah it was great. He was just like, if we if we legalize heroin right now, how many people in this room would do it? Nobody raised their hand. Of course not, because yeah. you know what happens. You know, I've I've always been a kind of a big drug decriminalization advocate. I, I actually would like to see all drugs decriminalized, because the bottom line is, if someone is addicted to heroin and you throw them in jail, does not, not help. You're not fixing the problem. No. Um, I, that's why I like some of these uh, safe injection sites where people can go in. They're not going to overdose because you have people there. The the supply is safe. The great thing is you also have. Uh, doctors and therapists working at these facilities. So if someone says, listen, I want to get clean, they're right there. Mm. Because if you're a heroin addict and you say, I want to get clean, and there's no one right there at that time to help you, you're using again. So I think there's advantages, certainly, to to decriminalizing all drugs as long as it's done in a responsible way. I'm not saying you should have open-air drug markets and people should be, you know, selling heroin at your local Whole, Whole Foods. But, yeah. you know, um, we've done far more damage to this country uh, by criminalizing all drugs than than decriminalizing all drugs um but again looking at cannabis i mean it's just the the fact that is still a schedule one drug is absolutely absurd i don't i would like to see it descheduled altogether i don't think there's any reason whatsoever it should be scheduled at all um whether or not how that's going to roll out i don't know i don't see i see 
Biden trying to make good on some of his his uh, campaign promises. But he's if he does decide to make an effort to fully decriminalize or legalize on a federal level, which he can't actually do without Congress, um, he can make he can make adjustments and he can hire people at the FDA and the DEA to to um, instigate these things. But he can't just wake up one day and say, OK, we're legalizing weed. Um, so I think, if anything, he's going to wait until the end of his term, because if he does it now, he's got a, he's got enough baggage. So if he does it now, he's going to get crucified. Mm. Um, I don't believe I don't believe he wants to legalize. I think he's from the old school and thinks this is a really bad idea. Plus, his son is an addict. So I can see how he would have concerns. Um, so, but, but yeah, I think uh, at the end of his term, something will probably happen. And I also believe whoever runs again, this is going to be a very, very big issue. Because like you, you pointed out this, this, those numbers before, most of the people in this country are totally fine with legalizing. And if, if I'm on Twitter and I make a comment about legalizing and decriminalization, there's always a bunch of people that will be like, you know, you want to destroy our country and murder our kids and all this stuff. But those are like the loudest voices, and they're a small number of voices, too. Mm-hmm. It's just they tend to be the loudest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so in July um, last year, uh, Chuck Schuber, he introduced the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act, which would decriminalize cannabis on the federal level and let states set their own laws. Obviously, that um, hasn't passed. Um, but you know we're seeing we're seeing movement and um, yeah I think it's just worth it to to keep looking at the industry um, look at the USMSOs um, the multi-state operators there is a um, there's an ETF that tracks them as well I think it's MSOS mm-hmm. is the ticker um, that hasn't performed too well. Um, a year ago, Canopy Growth was down 65% year-to-date. Aurora was down 35%. Tilray, 15 Kronos, 45 And the, yeah, so it's uh, the Advisor Shares Pure Cannabis ETF is the MSOS. And that fell 52% um, to start this year, I guess year over year. So I wouldn't buy a single Canadian positive. <laughs> Canada was great when it was the only game in town, but there's only so many weed smokers in Canada, and it's not like they can export it into the U.S. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how much – there's only so much weed you can sell, and if most of those companies are selling shit weed, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, here in the U.S., point. yeah, I mean, you have, like, Cureleaf. I actually think that's probably one of the, the better stocks to own if you wanted to own a, a bigger MSO um, and it, that has a lot to do with the fact that they, again, are very uh, well-funded. Um, they have a uh, very large footprint. Um, and they, I think the cool thing about – not cool thing, but I guess smart thing about Cureleaf is while a lot of the MSOs were going into major cities to set up dispensaries, Cureleaf actually went out to some rural areas. Hmm. Um, I live in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere. Cureleaf is the only game in town. If you want to buy legally, that, within probably like 100 and – I'm going to say about a 100, 120-mile radius. That's the only dispensary. So ah, cool. that was a really, really smart strategic move, and they've done that in a, in a few rural areas. So I think you're going to see more of that too. You're going to see more dispensaries going into rural areas and not in not in the cities. Um, I mean, I understand why that's where it started, but there's a lot of people that smoke weed in upstate New York, and they don't live anywhere near a major city. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, well, I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, <laughs> you want to go get high now? Is that what you're trying to say to me? <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to tell um, the audience uh, to close? Uh, just be really careful with, with the cannabis stocks. Don't I don't get too caught up in the hype. If you see... You know, if if a uh, if a bill does pass, that's going to bolster the value of the U.S. cannabis market. Um, I think you, you'll obviously see a you know a short run on some of those stocks, but the fundamentals have not changed on a lot of those companies. Mm. Um, so fundamentals will always win out over hype, uh, unless you know the exact date that they're going to deschedule or legalize, and you can get in right before that. Um, I would say be very, very cautious. And know that if you're going to buy a pot stock and it's a, a company that you've done research on and you feel like, okay, this company has the money and has the, the footprint and, and the right management to make this a go over the long term, um, be patient. You know, know that you're going to be in this for probably, you know, five, ten years. Um, it's not a get-rich. It was a get-rich-quick opportunity. It is no hmm. longer a get-rich-quick opportunity. Good point, good point. Well, Jeff, thanks for talking uh, with me today. Um, and from all of us here at Angel Publishing, we'll see you guys later.